When life as you know it is flipped upside down, we struggle to make sense of it all. Why would a good God allow this to happen? Hi, I'm Sherry Pilkington, your host of Finding God in Our Pain. In early 2018, the deepest questions of my life erupted when I unexpectedly lost my husband of 32 years. Since then, I've searched the heart of God for what he has to say about pain and suffering. In this podcast, we'll discover how God enters into our pain, shepherds us through our darkest valley, and out into the green pastures once again. I'll bring you firsthand stories from women who will allow us into their authentic struggle, along with professional advice from experts, counselors, and others who can speak to what it looks like to navigate pain. Join me as we discover God's answers to the deepest cries of our shattered heart. What a gift I have for you today. Finding God in Our Pain is a bi-monthly podcast, so this is a bonus episode. It's the sweetest message from a woman whose heart is tender to the things of God. Right before we started the interview, I felt the desire to start with prayer. Actually, I start with prayer before every interview, but this time I wanted to include my listeners. So she and I both invited God to speak to the hearts of women who come to this particular conversation with that longing and that desire of her heart to be a mother. Today's guest, Erin Honeycutt, allows us a glimpse into the deepest cry of her heart with regard to infertility and miscarriages. She's beyond blessed with a precious son, but Erin's heart has always been to have a large family. Her steadfast commitment to always choosing joy and precious moments over extended focus on pain is rooted in a grateful heart. You'll get a beautiful example of this throughout the episode, but near the end, her passion for him, for God, is seen most significantly when she naturally pours out the reason why she believes that he is who he says he is and why she continues to trust him with the deep desire of her heart despite the pain she intimately knows. What is the foundation for this type of love? What is Erin standing firm on that keeps her returning over and over to the one who is seemingly withholding the desire of her heart? Let's find out. Father, we just pause for a moment to say thank you. Thank you for life, Lord. Thank you that you're a father. Thank you that you know the hearts of women who want to be moms. Thank you that you value all of your children. You have no grandchildren. Thank you, Father, that this storyline of heartache in a woman's heart for children is in the Bible. It's included in the Bible, Lord. So it it has an importance then, even when children didn't have a value to society, Lord, you saw them as valuable. It It was a gift. So Father, we just submit this to you because of the complication of trying to understand who you are in the midst of infertility and miscarriage, Lord. We invite your wisdom in. We invite your heart into the situation. We know that you care. We know that you want many children, that life is everything, Lord, of your creation. You said it was good. So, Lord, we just thank you for an opportunity to lean in closer to you, to put our ear against your chest and to hear your heart beat for life. Mm. What does that mean, Father, to us based, based on your value system, based on your heart? You know, how do you show up in that kind of pain, Lord? We know you care because you're a good father. We know you care because you understand the role of a parent. We know you care because relationship is everything to you, Lord. We serve the God of relationship. Reveal your heart to us, Father. Show us just beautiful things about what you have to say in what can be very dark and lonely and lend itself to depression, Lord. These are places that you're not afraid to go. You're not afraid to meet us there. But what does that look like, Lord, for you to meet us there, to sustain us, and to heal us. What does healing look like, Lord, when your heart still yearns for children? Mm. So we just press into you, Father. We just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you do have the answers. We thank you that you do meet us in our pain, whatever our pain is, Lord. So we just we just want to draw close to you, Lord, and just hear what you have to say. Speak to us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, I just echo all of those words, Lord, and I just thank you. I thank you for your grace, Lord. I thank you for your grace in all of life situations, Lord. And I just pray for this time, for these words that are going to be spoken. Lord, I pray 
that for the ears that are listening, that you bring healing and peace through these words, Lord. I pray that some comfort can be given to women that are in the situation right now or in similar situations. Lord, I just pray that that your truth is spoken here and that encouragement just flows through these words, Lord. And I just thank you for this time, Lord. And I just thank you for Miss Sherry. And I thank you for this mission that she has taken on, Lord. And I just pray that you are glorified and that you are honored through all of these workings. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. And again, Lord, we just thank you for grace. Thank you so much. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you, sweet woman. And that's my guest today, Erin Honeycutt. Thank you. Erin's <laughs> here to talk to us about her journey in infertility and uh, miscarriage. So it's a heavy subject for the heart, but we have a woman who has really pressed into the Lord and asked him some deep questions through her struggle of trying to grasp, you know, who God is and what he has to say in such deep pain. So Aaron, you're married to Adam. Yes. And you do have a young son. He's two. We do two. He's two. two. Well, tell me a little bit about how you and Adam met first, and then we'll move into the family. Okay. Um, Adam and I have known each other since we were 11 years old. We met Mm -hmm. at church. My family started going to the church and he had already been members of the church. And so we kind of grew up in Sunday school together. And, but it wasn't until our senior year in high school that we became really good friends. And then he went off to college and we kind of communicated back and forth. Back then, instant messenger was the thing. So we would stay up late on the computer and instant message (laughs) while he was in college. It's just so funny that how times have changed. But we would, we did a couple of Bible studies and stuff together through just emails as friends. And he had told me several times how much he really liked me. And I was trusting in the wisdom of my parents saying that they just didn't think it was the right timing and they didn't think it was the right timing. So we, we just stayed friends and it was his junior year of college. He came home at the end of that summer and asked if we could start dating and my parents um, gave him the okay. And the rest was history. I love that he respected your parents enough to ask them for that. He did. He did. And it does speak a lot to your relationship with your parents in order to trust their wisdom on that. That speaks volumes in itself. I'm grateful for the wisdom of my parents. I feel like a lot of wisdom and strength that I have in my faith is from the firm and solid foundation that my parents laid for me. And I will forever be grateful for that solid foundation. And I want to honor them in that foundation that they, that they found and wanted to pass on to their children. Well, it sounds like they've done a solid job of that. And then you turn and send it to your family or, you know, share that with your family. And that, I pray that it passes it on through the generations. That would be that. a beautiful legacy. <laughs> right. So you start dating. When did y'all, yes, so how long did you date? Mary? Adam and I dated for two years at the end of our, well, August, our two year anniversary, it was in August. We had a beach picnic and he proposed to me at the end of that date. And then he had to go back to school the end of August for his, um, his master's year he to get his master's in architecture and so that whole year that he was gone I planned the wedding and he graduated in May he got his job and worked for a month in June and we you know made some final plans and we got married in July of 2010. I always knew from a really young age that all I wanted was to be a wife and a mother so the having a huge beautiful family was always like the strongest desire of my heart and Adam knew that too and he was completely okay with it so after our first year of marriage I decided I had read some articles on birth control and I just God had just truly convicted my heart to just not be on it anymore and Adam and I prayed about it and we talked it through and he was kind of nervous about it we'd only been married a year he wasn't sure if we were mostly financially ready for this but we agreed together to just let it happen we weren't gonna try we were just gonna see you know what God had planned a year went by and nothing happened. And then another year went by and nothing happened. And it was 2014. So four years into our marriage, nothing had really happened. And I was kind of 
feeling really anxious about it and wasn't sure what was going on. And so my first step was to talk to my OBGYN and she gave me a fertility tracker like app that was on my phone where you take your temperature and in the morning and track your ovulation. And so we had done that for a couple, for a couple months and February of 2014, right around Valentine's day, I found out that I was pregnant and I was just over the moon. We were so excited. I remember like Adam was outside cleaning up the yard leaves and stuff. And I had just taken the test and I ran out to the yard and jumped in his arms and we were so excited, but God had a completely different plan there. And, um, I ended up miscarrying that baby like a month, a month later. So then my heart was, was devastated in that, but it was my first miscarriage. So I knew like after reading several things that it's not uncommon to have a miscarriage with your first, your first pregnancy. Um, And so we just kept going. We just, you know, with the fertility tracking and not pushing it. And it was very trying on our marriage to be honest. Mm. It was, it was hard. We, I was angry. I wasn't angry so much with Adam as I was just angry. And I felt like I put on this front for everybody else. I felt like I was, I, I used him as my punching bag. Mm. So everybody else got the nice Aaron, but I knew that he loved me unconditionally. And so he got Mm. the very worst of me. He got my frustration and he got my anger and it caused a lot of turmoil between us for quite a few years. I think at the end of fall 2015, um, I had really been talking to Adam about going to see a fertility doctor. Another woman in our church had gone to this doctor after her and her husband had experienced very similar situation and she loved her. So we went to go see Dr. Robin at the New Hope Center in Virginia Beach. I would recommend her to every woman struggling with infertility. She is so amazing. She talks Mm -hmm. to you as if you are the only patient that she's ever had and ever Mm -hmm. will have. She just is so great. And all of her staff are the same way. You don't feel like a number or it's like a clinical feel. She really is trying hard to help Mm -hmm. you um, Mm -hmm. with your dream. Yes. She's wonderful woman. Anyway, so fall 2015, I went to go see Dr. Robin and was diagnosed with polycystic ovaries. PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. I didn't really have the syndrome because a lot of women that have the syndrome is very similar to diabetes. You have really low blood sugar and can be more more obese. Um, I just had on my ovaries, most women on on either ovary have anywhere from five to six follicles where your eggs mature and develop. I had 18 on one side and 21 on the other. So because of that, my body was overproducing hormones and some eggs were developing to maturity and some weren't. There's really no cure for that. But I went in and I had a hysteroscopy done, which is a procedure where they clean out the lining of your uterus just Mm -hmm. to make it fresh in case there's any polyps or anything that's in there. And I did have quite a few polyps. We cleaned out the uterus after the hysteroscopy and she started me on some medications. They started me on Clomid, which is supposed to help with um, ovulation to keep you on a regular cycle. So then she wanted to give it a couple months of that and try naturally. Nothing happened. Then we did an IUI cycle, which is insemination, artificial insemination, where she, you go into the doctor's office and she basically puts the place, the, the male parts where they need to go. Right. Gotcha. We did that and it was unsuccessful. So then we just kind of took a break because then it was also, it's not inexpensive. And fertility Mm -hmm. treatment is not inexpensive and Mm -hmm. a lot of insurance doesn't cover it. So we were getting a little tight. So we pulled back, we pulled back for a little bit at the end of December, 2015, I got another pregnancy test and it was positive. 
So I was very excited. I was like, thank you, Jesus, for answering my prayer. We've gone through this fertility treatment. We couldn't afford to keep going. And so you gave me this beautiful baby on our own, naturally. Like, Father, you are just so good to me. Thank you so much. End of January 2016, went in for an ultrasound because of going through infertility. I was at like high risk. And so we were doing regular ultrasounds. It was not developing correctly. I didn't miscarriage naturally. So I had to go in and have a procedure that's called a DNC where they remove, they remove the pregnancy medically. Um, So again, my heart was crushed. And what were you asking God? I just was asking God, okay, God, what, like really, truly, what are you, what are you trying to, what is it that you want from me? What are you trying to teach me? Because this is just so completely unfair. Right. And you have known since I was a little girl that all I've wanted to be was a wife and a mother. Mm. So why is this so incredibly painful? And then you hear stories of women who are not wanting to have children or, you know, women who aren't Christians who engage in, you know, sexual relationships outside of marriage, Mm -hmm. randomly becoming pregnant and then having abortions because that's not what they wanted at that time. So then I'm just angry. Like, are you, are you kidding me? God, are you kidding me? Like I have a husband that loves me. We would raise this child in faith in you and teach this child all about you. Why? why, why am I not allowed to have a baby? Fair question. So all, all fair, fair questions, Mm. but I kept going back to when God tells us, well done, my faithful, my faithful servant, I want to honor him. And I knew that God was still good and all of Mm. these things. And you read stories through scripture, Job, Sarah, Abraham, the Israelites, like all losing their faith in Jesus and not trusting him through completion of life. And I didn't, I didn't want to just be another one that lost my faith because I wasn't getting what I wanted when I wanted it. I just continued to serve. And I feel like too, sometimes when we choose to not focus on self so much, that's when God can bring in so much healing. And he did, he completely healed me, healed me through it. And he brought his people into my life. And I chose not to push everybody away. I know sometimes Mm -hmm. when you're struggling with anything, infertility, cancer, loss of a spouse, loss of your children, you tend to want to shut out and not talk to anybody and not, even think about it anymore because that would be so much easier than having to face it all the time or have people ask you how you're doing. Right. But I knew I'm not a loner. I'm not somebody that likes to be by myself. I'm very much a people person. And so I knew that it would cause a lot of depression and turmoil in my soul if I pushed everybody away. And I feel... I feel like God brought people into my life at certain moments when I needed them most. And God brought me Amber Joyner, who is <laughs> my closest and dearest friend. And she, she has 10 me. beautiful children and a husband that adores her. And I feel like God brought her into my life at the perfect moment for me to serve her and for her children to fill a mm-hmm. void and a hole in my heart that needed to be filled. And I forever will praise God for that friendship and her beautiful children. So God brought in relationships. So your heart wasn't hard to that. Your heart was still open to being obedient. Despite your pain, you were being obedient to God to still serve him, to still worship him, to still believe he's the good God that you profess. Yes. Because I think that when tragedy hits or when heartbreak comes, the question is, is God still God? Is he still right. good enough? Is right. he still enough? Or will he be enough? I think we all have to face that question. Am I good enough for you if this doesn't happen like you wanted? 
Do you still love right. me? Right. Despite you're not getting, you know, what your heart desires. Exactly. Yeah. So that's tough because it's our heart, Lord. <laughs> you know, right. I feel like I mean, Lord, it's my heart. I'm not making stuff up. I'm not being dramatic. I'm genuinely seeking this out. So you had to answer yes. that question too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And I feel like through my study of scripture and drawing closer to God, he just has constantly reminded me that more than the situations in our life, he cares about our response to them. So no matter what happens in life, they're all circumstances and they're all things. And there's thousands of things in this world that are heartbreaking and sad, but God cares about how we respond to the thing to life. Because we live in a sinful, fallen world and consequences fall where they may. It's not because God is testing us. I don't think that, you know, God specifically allows painful things to happen to us to test us. He just is a God of justice and there's consequences for sin. And it might not be directly my sin that has caused consequences in my life or situations in my life to happen, but it's just the world that we live in. And he cares about how we're going to respond. Are we going to respond selfishly and declare that um, it's unfair? Life is unfair. I deserve all of these things, God. You, are supposed to be a good God and bless my life. And I deserve, I deserve happiness. God doesn't ever promise us happiness. There's a difference between happiness and joy. And he promises us joy in Mm. him, not constant happiness. So I think he, he cares more about what our response is to life situations. And that doesn't mean that we don't get to be angry or that we don't get right. to be sad. Absolutely. We do because right. life is hard. It is very hard and it's a million times harder without him in it. Mm. But as long as we don't stay in those times of anger and those times of sadness and allow it to become bitterness, because that's when it our sadness and our anger becomes sin when we stay in it. I think that's a good point because Satan comes along and attaches himself to these traumas in our life. And he wants us to question God's goodness and to give God the side eye or, you know, suspect something about his goodness and what he professes to be and who we believe that he is. And so if he can separate us We no longer have this ability to get out of bitterness, to move beyond loneliness and depression. We're stuck there because the option to leaving those places is God. It's his joy, his joy, and which I find in his presence. And that's, that was the huge thing that he gave me during my, you know, tragedy was his presence. The pain was still there, Mm -hmm. the anger or whatever, that whole way, riding that wave of grief. Yes, absolutely. That was all still there, but his presence was what made, you know, I took the next step. I took the next breath. I looked into the next day because I did tell the Lord at one point, I do not want to be known for my grief and my pain. I want to be known for your great love for me. Yes, absolutely. Walking out or getting past that and into healing. That's what it looks like. It is. Yeah. And, but for you at this point in our story, this is your third miscarriage. I'm trying to my second miscarriage. And so after our second miscarriage in February, 2016, we took a break for a little while and didn't really do anything else. It took me a while to get past that second, that second miscarriage. I didn't want to go through it anymore. I didn't feel like my heart could immediately step back into it and feel hopeful and feel joy. So I just needed to take a break from it and focus on something else for the next year. For most of 2016, we didn't, we didn't do any fertility treatments and we healed our marriage Mm -hmm. and worked on, we worked on each other and we pressed into each other and we served our family and our friends and God brought so much healing in that. So I just want to encourage anybody that is listening to this, that is struggling with infertility. And you're at that point where you're just, 
done and you're angry and just press into serving because it brings so much more healing than you think that it would because when you you when you serve you're stepping outside of yourself and your focus is not on what's going on in your life and what's you know sadness is happening to you but you're being there and you're being the hands and feet of Jesus and he delivers so much peace through that so much peace it's an amazingly beautiful thing. And I wonder if that comes along too with worship and submission because worship, God inhabits our praise and our worship and that submission to him, to me, when I finally laid down my right to have to know and to have to have all the answers, that's when healing began for me because I couldn't, I couldn't hear him before when I was upset and angry, but in that choosing to worship in the midst of my pain, yes, that was healing. That was beautiful. So to me in serving that's a form of worship. It is it's a form it of is. obedience. God rewards obedience. Yes, he does. He absolutely rewards obedience. And that was something my parents had taught me from a very young age that, um, we might not always like what we're being asked to do, but when we choose to obey and we obey with a happy heart, that's when we receive blessings. And it might not be exactly like the reward or the blessing. It's not a reward that, you know, you do a good job and you earn a dollar. It's not that kind of reward. It's just blessings flow. God can protect you and he can shower you with blessings when you're choosing to be obedient. That's it was, a deep thought right there. If you think about yes. it, like your mother and father had already laid groundwork for you to understand that choosing obedience over comfort or choosing to serve over keeping yourself focused on self, they had already laid a very powerful groundwork for you in this moment of life when you're tested for something that is very near and dear to your heart. Yes. What, what a beautiful gift. Yes. A beautiful gift. Mm. Praise Jesus for my mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. I can see how powerful that is. It but. is a very powerful thing. I pray mm. constantly. It's a worry on a mother's heart. Something that I that I pray for all the time. Yeah. So continuing on in my fertility journey, end of the summer of 2017, Adam and I had decided to go see Dr. Robin again at the New Hope Center. And she recommended that we go straight to IVF. She said, I feel like you have a very high success in in vitro fertilization. Very expensive um, treatments, but I'm not getting any younger at this point. I'm 31. So we decided after praying that we were just going to go ahead and do it. We were going to figure out the financial aspect of it. And we were just going to move forward and trust God and step out in faith that he was going to provide if this was his plan for us. So we did started medications end of July, 2017. I got my big box of all the medications that I needed to take all of the daily injections in my stomach, the pills that I needed to take. And that took a toll on my body. And I prayed daily for my husband to just have patience with me because I know that I was for sure a little bit of a crazy person, but it was good. And God, you know, was faithful through all of it. He was with us. End of August, we went in for our egg retrieval and everything was beautiful. We had 26 eggs that were harvested and all 26 were fertilized. And out of the 26, nine made it to the five day um, stage where they, where they freeze the embryo. They were healthy, beautiful embryos. So we were just overjoyed. In that process, you have to wait another month before you do the transfer. And so for me to clean out all of the medication that I needed to take to produce that many eggs, Dr. Robin let all of that medication get out of my system for a month. At the end of September um, 2017, we went in for our transfer and we had two embryos transferred and we have to wait 10 days. And those were the most agonizing 10 days. I remember though, at that time, Amber and Clint took Colby on his 16th 
birthday trip they always take their kids in. and she asked me to watch the kids and I said yes absolutely that is the best distraction that I need I stayed with her kids for I think it was like four or five days that I was with her kids and they went to West Virginia with Colby and it was exactly what I needed to not think about every morning am I pregnant am I pregnant did it work did it work okay God you know just and be anxious about it so that was a huge blessing And on the 10th day, we went in and did the blood work for pregnancy labs and it was positive. And I was just so, so thankful that it worked. My husband was excited and we were just praising God through this. But of course, my heart was anxious. There was still that part of me that was like, okay, God, I've been at this point before now. This is the third time that I've been at this point. What is this going to look like? I didn't want to completely submerge myself in that joy because I didn't know what was going to happen. And so there was still this part of me that was protecting my heart and not fully embracing it. But as each week went on and each month passed and we got further and further into the pregnancy, my heart became so overjoyed and I praised God daily for this beautiful, wonderful miracle gift that Mm -hmm. he had given to me. I didn't want to take it for granted. There was just, there's just nothing, there's nothing like it. And we found out that we were having a boy. So I immediately started praying his, his verse for him. And I have it hanging in his room as you know, Joshua one, nine, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord is with you wherever you go. Mm -hmm. And that's just his verse. And I pray that over my son, Blake all the time. Mm -hmm. So we had two embryos transferred and one took, and that's my, my beautiful boy, Blake. And he Mm -hmm. was born in June, 2018. So we've just completely adored him, but I know Mm -hmm. in my heart, there's still, I still have seven embryos that are frozen at our fertility clinic. And my heart is anxious for those babies. I just desire to give them life. I'm just waiting for, for, for God's timing in that too. The fact that you value the embryos as children, like you see them as the seed of the Lord and that you see it with human value. I think we both agree that life with Christ is at conception. His, his value, his definition of life is at conception. That's that's even a little deeper for me to consider the value of the egg Mm. in in human life. So you even have to trust God with the egg as a human being, you want to give it life. You feel responsible for them. Uh, So you have to even trust God with that. Wow. That's deep. That's deep young lady. I have seven seven babies that I know are waiting, are waiting for me. And I pray for them constantly. There is a little bit of fear in my heart there that I don't know what God's plan is for them, Mm -hmm. but I, I pray, I pray for them constantly because I feel responsible for those souls to know Mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. There's also that fear of reading so much through clinical trials, people's testimonies of going through IVF, and then being able to conceive naturally on your own. Right. And not that I don't want that to happen, but you feel almost like if that does happen, you're abandoning those babies that you've already created. Right. Those seven babies that I have waiting for me. So there's this turmoil that's in your heart there. At the beginning of this year, that turmoil was very, was very real for me because we found out in April that we were pregnant and it was a spontaneous natural pregnancy. And of course I was so incredibly excited, but there's still that, that heart for my, my babies that are waiting for me. And I just want to be like, I I know that you're here. I know that you're here. I love you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, okay, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you through all of this. If you are creating a huge giant family for me, I will, I will gladly, I will gladly take it. Yes, Lord. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And come to find out that 
we were pregnant with twins. When I went in for my first ultrasound mm-hmm. and blood work, they said that all of the levels were higher than they should be at this point in the pregnancy. So they wanted to do an ultrasound right away. Mm-hmm. And there were two beautiful babies, their mm-hmm. twin pregnancy. And my heart was just ecstatic. Like, oh my gosh, God, you're just so good. Like right. I went I went through all of this struggle and all of this pain and IVF to be able to have twins, be pregnant with twins naturally. Like you are just amazing, God. You're so amazing. And I pray that I can just use this story to just declare to the world how, how wonderful you are. Right. Then a month later, I went in for another ultrasound and there were no heartbeats. Oh, I might get a little emotional talking about it because it's still very, very fresh, very fresh. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't push yourself if you don't want to. My heart was very much shattered at that, at that moment. There were lots of tears Mm -hmm. and lots of what I call holy temper tantrums. Like I was literally just mad. I was just mad at God that he would, he would give me that joy and immediately take it, take it away. Right. Like I just did not understand the purpose of it. I didn't understand the purpose of that immediate pain, but I, I know how faithful he's been to me through all of it. And I, so after my ranting and raving and God hearing my voice, because I, I know that, that he hears our pain and he feels our pain. And I feel like at that moment that God, I heard him say, and just hold me and say, I know my child, I know, and I love you. And I'm so sorry that you're feeling this pain, but I'm here. I'm still here. And so I just like held on to that and I pressed into him and um, I just prayed for wisdom and for peace and for healing in that. And that whatever God's purpose was for that pain, that he would reveal it to me and that he would help me to bring him glory and honor through it. And it was so incredibly hard and it's still, it's still hard. I mean, I still get so teary eyed when I talk about this because it just was this year. Well, it does feel like a direct hit from the enemy. It feels very cruel. Yeah. And we profess a good God. I think that's really difficult. And yet we know he knows how we feel. He laid down the life of his son So that separation, he had to turn his back on his son because his son took on all the sin of the world. So that separation is, it's a vast void. Mm -hmm. And so I I know he knows what we're going through. It's yeah, it's difficult to make sense of. It is, it is. So what do you stand on on moments like that? I think you just referenced his past goodness, like maybe remembrance stones of what he had done for you in the past. But when you look in your rearview mirror, you have two miscarriages in the, in the rearview mirror. What are you standing on that is of goodness? His promises. I mean, he promises throughout scripture, his faithfulness and he promises eternity. And I know that one day, like this world is temporary this world and this pain is so temporary. It might feel like it's forever. And somebody that is struggling with a reoccurring illness that causes their body physical pain on a daily basis, it might be harder for them to embrace this, but this world is not forever. Mm -hmm. And eternity is forever. And I know that one day that I'm going to stand in his presence and be able to just feel nothing but joy. Like we won't even remember Mm. this crazy world and this incredible pain because there'll be nothing but beauty, nothing but beauty and, and joy and worship and praise. Mm. And 
And a constant revelation of his goodness of who yes. he really is. Like we'll get yes, of who he really Yeah. Yeah. We'll closer to being able to understand more of who he is. Right. Well, we see his shadows right now, but yes. In his presence we'll get that. And I think that when we when we speak that and when we read in scripture um his promises and we we speak them, we speak them out loud to keep them in our hearts because he has, I mean, he's, he's faithful. He's very faithful. And that's when he can bring peace and bring healing. And so I, I went back to what he had taught me in my first two miscarriages and pressing into my family and serving and stepping outside of myself, because at this point, this one hurt so deeply Mm. that I could have very easily stayed in this spot of depression and not wanted to do anything. I, but I didn't want to miss out on any joy that Mm. God had for me, the joy of raising my son that he had blessed me with. I didn't want to make that blessing insignificant any, or, you know, nothing anymore because I had, I had just lost this because that still was a beautiful blessing in my life. And so choosing to find and seek out joy and seek Mm -hmm. out the blessings that God has, has given us and press into those the next month, actually the next week, I, I ended up having to have another DNC with the twin pregnancy. My body didn't miscarriage the way that it was supposed to. I went in on a Tuesday and that following weekend, we were all invited to the lake for my sister's engagement. Amber's oldest son, Colby, mm-hmm. um, was proposing to my baby sister, Sarah, <laughs> and they had invited all of the family. They wanted everybody to to be there. And so they invited everybody to Amber's parents' lake house. And it was a wonderful, beautiful weekend. And I just remember praising God for that weekend because it it was so healing. It was so healing for my soul to not focus on the miscarriage, but to focus on this beautiful new life that was joining together. These families that were joining together and how both families were so in love with Jesus and just spoke Jesus to their children. And I felt like God was completely honored and glorified in that weekend. I'm grateful for God for that. And I feel like those are the moments that if we can easily choose to focus on self and not feel the full joy of those moments, because Mm -hmm. we're so caught up in self and we're so caught up in our Mm -hmm. own pain and our own unfairness of life, if you will. And you miss out on all of these memories and all of these like joyful moments in life when we focus on self in that way. Do you think that it is a form of, or a practice of discipline to take eyes off self and put them on others? That's part of the fruit, right? The fruit of the spirit. It is self-discipline. Yes. When I hear you say that, cause I'm guilty for looking at self and how bad I've got it in certain situations. I'm very blessed, but in a moment of pain, I'm like, I'm all about self. But it sounds like there's this discipline that you have for saying, nope, I'm not going to focus on the pain. I'm going to focus on this moment. Can you make a connection with that, with it being discipline? I do believe that it is discipline. And I also believe that it's, again, something that I was taught from a very, a very young age. Um, but it's not that I, I don't ever feel those selfishness. I don't want to make myself sound like I'm, I'm greater than <laughs> what I am because I am flawed. We all are. But I think, yes, we all, we all are, <laughs> are flawed, deeply flawed. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think it's, it is definitely something disciplined because I do, I do feel those, you know, angry, horrible moments and I, selfish, selfish moments. But um I think that's part of the process though as far it is as... part of it is part of the process like it's just, it's we can't not... get stuck there right exactly it's you would be unhuman if you didn't feel those the pain of life but I think like we've said throughout this you have to 
continually remind yourself not to stay because nothing's going to change. It's not going to bring back anybody that you've lost. It's not going to bring back my pregnancies, staying in this depression and constantly dwelling on it and being a miserable person for yourself and a miserable person for everybody else to be around, it's not going to change anything. That's not how the world works. That's not how God works. He's not Mm going to just say, okay, I see that you're still very angry. I'm just, let's just go back and we'll change it and we'll do it over and Mm -hmm. we'll fix it. Or here you go. Let's just, you know, pacify you. That's not how, that's not how we raise our children. That's not how, Mm -hmm. that's not how the world world works. Mm -hmm. He rewards our obedience. He can give blessings and he can heal through our obedience. And when we choose to obey, even if we don't want to, we choose to step outside of ourselves and practice the fruits of the spirit and have love and joy and peace and patience and have kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And then all of those things have self-control because mm-hmm. he, I think that there's a a, a major purpose in God putting self-control last on the list of all those things. He said, these are the fruits of the spirit that I want to see in you, but I need you to have self-control over all of these things. You have to have self-discipline. You have to have self-control. So I think choosing, choosing that is when we can have healing and is when God can heal our hearts because we're not whining and throwing a fit because when our toddlers whine and throw a fit uh, because they're not getting what they want when they want it we don't give them what they want then just to pacify them because that's not teaching them anything that's not training any character or producing any good fruit in them so our heavenly father does the same thing for us. If we whine and complain and stay in this nasty, horrible state that nobody wants to be around, he can't, he can't bless us in that because he's good. He's a good, good father. And so he, he's, he's training us and he's disciplining us and he can bless us when we choose to be obedient, even when we really don't want to be. I love that he's patient with us as we walk out the stages of coming to grips with a tragedy or a life-changing event. What are some of the promises? Like you said, you were standing on promises, you know, to get you through as part of also serving, also being obedient. What are some of the promises that you recall standing on? Promises of his faithfulness. He says he takes care of the plants and the birds and how much how much more does he love us and he's going to take care of us. So don't worry about what, what comes next that he's there and he's faithful. So though, you know, some of, some of those promises I think are the ones that I just cling to. And I go back to like honoring my parents. God says, honor your mother and father, and it will go well with you. These are truths that my parents taught me. And I wanted to, even in my adult life and even in my marriage, it reflects back on them. It reflects on my relationship with Jesus. I want to honor that because he says it'll go well with you. It will be good for you if you honor what I've taught you and what I have, have been teaching you. So holding, holding on to those, those promises. Mm. It sounds like God is very invested in our value system here, what we rest our heart on. I think about how he is working on our character here. It, it has to have a bearing on our eternal dwelling with him because God wastes nothing. He is a purposeful God right. who right. can use anything life hands us to turn it into something beautiful. Just interesting. I just thought I would throw that out there. As you think about moving forward, what does that do to your heart? I'm not asking you for any decisions that you've made or haven't made. Right, I'm just saying, right. what does that do to your heart when you say, Lord, I value these embryos and I have seven more. What is your heart looking at as you look forward? Um, my heart is trying not to be impatient. I think that's something that I've struggled with as a little girl is always just being content in where I'm at. And I think that God has constantly brought that to, to the surface for me throughout my life and in my adult life. And so um, trying to be purposeful and being content. Like I pray, like I said, I pray for those embryos. I pray that God's will will be done through those embryos and even having to 
laid down what I feel like are my rights to those babies. Like that's mine and my husband's DNA. That's our flesh and bones that that is created there laying down the rights to them. Because even as I was carrying Blake and when I gave birth to him, knowing in the back of my mind that he's not mine, he belongs to God. He belongs to God. All of, we all belong to God. He can do with us what he sees fit, not having fear in that or worry in that, but allowing there to be peace in that, that the thought of anything happening to any of my children, any, anywhere, like the children that I've lost too, that terrifies me. Mm -hmm. Even now, you know, having physically held Blake and being able to love him daily the thought of anything happening to him is is sickening like it, get, it makes right. me sick to my stomach thinking about that right but reminding myself that he's not he's not mine he's not mine so having to constantly remind myself of that with my embryos too that they're not mine and that god has a beautiful plan for my life that will ultimately bring him honor and glory if I seek him daily and I seek to honor him, give him glory in the good times and the bad times, in the lowest of valleys and in the highest of mountains that I choose to bring him glory and honor and still praise his name. Because I feel like that's that's what Job did. When you read about Job's story and the things that were just taken away from him and the physical pain that he went through and God being so proud of, of him. And I I don't, I don't know if that's like, that's a terrible thing. I've always wanted to make my mom and dad proud of me. Like as as a little girl, that was always something. The thought of disappointing my parents was heart-wrenching for me. I feel like it's a gift. It was a gift from God that he gave me of not wanting to disappoint my parents. And Mm -hmm. in my maturity, it became my relationship with Jesus where the thought of disappointing him is devastating to me. I don't want to disappoint him. I've had thoughts of, you know, God says in Genesis his first commandment to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. Like that was his first Mm -hmm. commandment he ever gave. And so to not be able to be fruitful and multiply in the way that God planted is, it's like, am I damaged? Am I disappointing you, God? There is that element there, but choosing to not focus on myself when I have those thoughts of, am I disappointing you? Am I not being a good enough child for, you know, one of your children? I'm not doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing, God. Instead of staying there, just choosing to move forward mm-hmm. and to say, you know, okay, God, where, where do you need me now? Right now in this moment, what is it that you desire from my heart to be, you know, patient and faithful in my discipline and training of my son. That's where I'm at. And that's what I want to stay focused on until God makes it clear to me or clear to my husband. I'm, you know, following my husband's lead in this too. I don't want to overwhelm him and stress him out with the financial cost of doing another embryo transfer. It is very stressful. And I know that he feels the same pain that I feel when we lose a baby or know that those our seven embryos are there. We've talked about it. He has that heart too. But then I think as, as husbands and men that are taking care of their families, he has that added element of stress on our finances and wanting to be able to provide for our family, but struggling with having faith in that being faithful, like, okay, God, if this is the next step for us and you're ready for us to you know, bring life to these embryos, then we're going to step out in faith and we're going to trust that you're going to provide the income and provide the financial and everything, everything that we would need, would need in that. So those are our prayers moving forward. Those are our constant daily prayers right now is training our son to, to know Jesus, to make him known to love him with his heart, soul, mind, and strength Mm. and being patient in God's timing for the rest. That's all any parent can do. And I think with that spiritual element of that child rearing, 
clearly it has given you a solid foundation with which to do life on. And that is a gift that you're now handing off to your son. So that's definitely kingdom worthy. You know, it has to be a a sweet fragrance to the Lord when we turn around and raise our children for him and for the kingdom and to equip them to get through this life with disappointment and heartache and heartbreak Mm -hmm. with it being Christmas time. Mm -hmm. And the season is focused on an infant being born. Do you have any words of encouragement for mamas today that will have a Christmas without the child that they intended? And you as well share that heartache. Mm -hmm. Mm. That is, that is a good question. I feel like I have, um, I've felt that on several mother's days, the mother's days that we go through at church and they're celebrating mothers and, and you're not a mother yet. And you're, you're struggling, you're struggling with that pain or celebrating Christmas and all the family gets together and your, you know, best friend is pregnant or your sister is pregnant. And there's just, there's just that pain to not to ignore it. I've never ignored the pain that's there because it is real. And there's been several moments in the middle of laughing and joking. You just, you just have an overwhelming moment. There's waves of struggle. There's times when it hits you, it's completely unexpected. I've gone to a quiet bathroom (laughs) at my parents' house and had a tearful cry to God, specifically to God, just a tearful moment. And I think that when we cry out to him in those moments and we don't hide from him or ignore, ignore the pain, that's when he, his presence is felt and Mm -hmm. he can, he can heal. So I think that calling on him in those moments and not running away from them, but looking at them as part of the process and I know for me that I've talked to my sister several times and she's known of, of moments and she's always been there to pray. She's very intuitive of when things are happening and what's going on. So she would come and she would know, she just would know. And she would come up to me and just like squeeze my hand or sit next to me and put her hand on, on the small of my back. So, and for, for me, those are moments when I can physically feel God, when I can tangibly hear him because he speaks through his saints. Mm. And I had a moment back in my second miscarriage when a friend from, of my sisters from high school had experienced something similar, had lost her baby at six months pregnant and had to deliver a stillborn, stillborn baby. So had gone through very similar pain I remember one time she just had sent me a Facebook message and asked me for my address and that was it. And then two days later, I went to go get the mail and she had randomly without even, you know, needing to tell me that she had done this, dropped off a book. And the book was Hearing Jesus Speak Into Our Sorrow by Nancy Guthrie. Good book. I would recommend reading. It's a very good book. And she had written out a hymn. I don't remember what the name of the hymn was and a handwritten letter that she saw what I had gone through. And she was praying for me and shared her story and things that had encouraged her and helped her when she had pressed into Jesus, the things that he, he brought to light to her. And so for me, that was just the most overwhelming moment of feeling God, hearing him speak and physically feeling his love through his saints. And I think that when we choose to embrace those moments instead of push them away, that's when we can have true healing and peace and comfort. And that's how he can comfort us through that. So this time that's coming up Christmas season and anybody that is struggling with not having their heart's desire being fulfilled or have just gone through a miscarriage and that pain is fresh and it's, and it's real and you know what should be there and it's not there look for his presence through his people allow those moments to not offend you to not be offended by 
someone who might not have the exact words to say, but they're saying something because they care. And it's God's people that are speaking to you. And it's God that's speaking to you. And he's trying to, to be there for you and give you comfort and give you peace. So embrace, embrace those moments and press into them and allow his peace to cover you. Those are precious words to, to hurting hearts. I'm even impressed by the fact that you continually trust God when the world would say, yeah, you trusted him, but he let you down and then he let you down and then he let you down, but you still hold on to the fact, well, I have a son. It's good. God spoke to me in this situation. I love that you still find the beauty amongst the pain. You find that beautiful rose amongst the thorns and that surely will serve you well. I think we have a foundation of understanding that there's nothing that we're deserved. We don't deserve anything in this world. We don't have the rights to a happy family. We don't have the rights to health. We don't have the rights to riches. We don't have, we don't have the rights. You know, God, nowhere in scripture does he say that we have the right to all of these things were flawed. I mean, we were separated from him in the garden, that first sin and sin has separated us. So what we deserve is hell. That's what we deserve for all of the sin that has happened. That's what we deserve. We just had book club last night and we were talking about how Jesus came and he was human and Mary had to teach him his colors and his numbers. And Joseph taught him carpentry as a child. And he went to the, the churches and he learned, he had to learn all these things. He was completely human. He was tempted in all of the ways that we are tempted he was the perfect lamb. He was the perfect human. He suffered and he died an excruciatingly painful death. And on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because that is the consequence of sin. And so when we have this underlying foundation of really truly understanding that we are not deserving of anything, other than hell and that God took our place. He, Jesus took that place for us. What an amazing sacrifice. I am so undeserving of that sacrifice. I am so flawed. How could he love me that much to die for me? How, how could I not say thank you and do and live how he's asked me to live right. and praise him even in the good times and the bad times because that's what he has asked for me he took my place in that horrible death that's what I that's what I deserved and he Mm -hmm. took my he took my place oh my Jesus Mm -hmm. yes if I never have another baby you are so good. You are so good. Mm. I I'm content. I'm content with this life. Lord, you are absolutely enough. That sacrifice was absolutely enough for me. Thank you, Jesus, for all of my days. I want to say thank you for that sacrifice. I give you my life, Lord. I give you my life. Mm. So I wonder when we all come to that place where God asks us, am I enough? I wonder if that's the reference point that he's making when he says, am I enough? I laid down my life, sweetheart. I took your place. You do not have eternal death, but I have given you eternal life. Am I enough? Mm. Mm. I love that. And I love the fact when you just reminded me when Jesus asked his father, why have you forsaken me? I got to that point. Why have you forsaken Mm -hmm. me? I didn't word Mm -hmm. it like that, but I was like, what in the world just happened? Where Mm. are you? So I get where we all have those moments of, why have you forsaken me? So you make this huge um, foundational piece, very obvious. People know things about God, but then sometimes when it's reframed or rephrased in a fresh way, we get to see it in a different light or it falls on us in a different way. So thinking about that, the weight of that sacrifice and what you said, you know, God shows up 
to us with scars in his hands and his feet. And he says, Hey, honey, mm-hmm. I've already, I've already fought that battle. I won mm-hmm. that battle. Mm-hmm. Rest in me, recline mm-hmm. in me, trust me. Mm-hmm. I, I already know the way. Let me show you through. Mm-hmm. That's the power of a believer, I, I mm. feel. Yes. So, one last question before we go. I okay. personally believe that life is at conception and therefore you have children. Yes. To meet when you get to heaven. How do you feel about that? Can you wait to meet I your full family? Wait. <laughs> I cannot wait to meet my beautiful family. Um, Cause you're from a family of six children. Yes. I'm the oldest of six and my mom was the baby of seven girls. Okay. Um, I have several aunts that have eight kids each. So they're just a huge family. My grandmother has 29 grandchildren wow. and she has 36, I believe, great grandchildren. Wow. It's just a huge, beautiful family. So I can't wait. I can't wait to meet, to meet my family. So what a day, what something God has promised. And uh, you and I had touched on this on a previous conversation before we had that we talked about how precious tears are to God Mm. and he catches every one of those tears. And you and I kind of pondered, what is he going to do with those tears? Is he going to wash something off away? What is he going to do with all those tears? I wonder. Yeah. I don't know. Know. Just know. wipe we'll wipe away all all of the scars and all of the pain and all of the hurt that we felt, and so we see nothing nothing but His beauty. That it's just wiping just wipe away all of those memories mm-hmm. of pain, so that what we, all we feel is worship for him (laughs) so just wash off all the residue of this life all what we're leaving behind yes maybe that's how we get our renewed body in christ that heavenly body whatever that transformation is maybe that's what it is he washes our tears and then we are transformed into whatever it is he has for us right right i have so thoroughly enjoyed my time with you you are a beautiful light in a very dark situation Thank you for encouragement to many women and to many hearts. So I I pray, I pray. So I pray that this encourages some ladies hearts. I feel it will. I know it will. All right, sweet woman. I appreciate you. I love you. I love you too. Have a wonderful holiday with your family. Thank you. You too. (laughs) Thank you, Miss Sherry. Thank you for your time and for sharing this experience with my guest. I hope you have found encouragement for today and a deeper revelation of God's heart in the midst of pain and suffering. We'd love to have you as a subscriber to Finding God in Our Pain so that you can be connected with all my guests as they share their personal experiences and professional knowledge about pain and suffering. And because this podcast is a division of the website, A Life of Thrive, for more information and the various ways you can connect with us, please visit the website, alifeofthrive.com. I look forward to sharing more transparent stories from the hearts of women who intimately know what it means to have their world flipped upside down, their authentic struggle to make sense of it, and what recovery and healing looks like. Till then, sweet woman, remember you are not alone and that God speaks the most beautiful things in the dark.